Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of April 7th, 2020, and this is officially episode number 432, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and yeah, we've made it to April. We've, uh, well, so far, so good, and uh, you know, it's so weird Obviously, you can say that every day of, of the year this year, pretty much. Uh, but this year is a little bit different in in the fact that we didn't really have an April Fool's this year, which is really weird. I'm not used to that. I'm used to all kinds of pranks and uh, these companies coming out with things. I, I really didn't see a whole lot of anything this year. Uh, but uh, eh, I guess it's some serious times, so... Uh, a lot of people were commenting that uh, April Fool's Day was canceled, pretty much along with everything else, it seems like. So, yeah, we will talk about some things that are canceled here in the paranormal here in a moment. We'll also talk about Bigfoot exposed in Oklahoma. Uh-oh. I want to lock the kids off for that one. Uh, money offered in search of the thylacine, one of my favorite topics in the paranormal, especially the cryptid field. Good old Tassie from... Australia. We're also going to talk about MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and their sighting statistics for March. It just dawned on me. I don't have a prediction for April. Better come up with that quick. Uh, Belgium. Belgium is having some, uh, a lot of uh, UFO sightings lately. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some ghost classes, some other ghost classes. Uh, I talked about some a couple of weeks ago, we got some more coming up if you want to uh, get some knowledge while you're on the lockdown, if you're locked down. Um, hope everyone is safe out there and um, not going stir crazy if you're on lockdown and uh, you haven't run out of TV shows on Netflix or anything else at this point. Uh, for me, it's almost business as usual. I'm working every day and I um, kind of wish I was on lockdown. I'm around some crazy people that just don't understand what's going on. Uh, but things are things are getting better. Things are scary, though. I mean, I'm around people that are potentially sick, and uh, it's not fun. You know, I feel like every day is uh, that day that uh, it's, it's going to hit me. But uh, numbers continue to rise, and people continue to get sick. People continue to die. And, you know, you don't hear anybody saying anything about the flu anymore. Uh, here in the state of Ohio, we've had more people die of COVID-19 than the flu the last few months. So, yeah, well, you got what you wanted, I guess. Uh, it's, it's pretty serious stuff. Uh, question in the chat room. Do you think spirits or cryptid creatures are aware of COVID-19? Well, uh, there's a lot of memes out there showing uh, bi how Bigfoot doesn't have COVID-19 because he's smart. He's uh, staying away from everybody pretty smart dude which is really weird because that's a segue into our first story but uh keep that in mind uh as far as ghosts i don't know i mean oh just was it just over 100 years ago we had the spanish flu and millions of people died over that that was a pretty much uh 
I mean, that wasn't really that long ago when you think about it. We had, uh, there's at least one case that I know of where a woman who uh, recovered from COVID-19 who actually had had the Spanish flu. It's pretty scary stuff, but uh, spirits, I don't know. I mean, I think spirits are aware of things that we're aware of if, if, if any of that works out in any shape or form. I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion about every aspect of ghosts and, and the paranormal. Cryptid, I don't know. That would be interesting. I don't know if uh, Mothman was just like laying down low because he doesn't want to get the uh, COVID. doesn't want to get infected. Um, smart, if he is. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We have, have we had kind of a uh, lesser amount of sightings of anything? I don't know. I think there's less people out in certain areas than other areas. I know a lot of people are getting out to parks and other recreational areas here, at least here in Ohio, people meeting up all over the place and hanging out at parks. So I really kind of anticipated a lot more Bigfoot sightings, but maybe he's smart. Maybe he knows what's up or she or it. I don't know what, what it is. Um, maybe they know. Like we're freaking out over something and, you know, I'm sure it's affected – a lot of other things. I, you know, never really talked about it here on the show, but uh, uh, you got pigeons attacking people because they're so used to people feeding them in, in Europe. Um, a lot of other animals are coming out of, of areas that they've never come out of before, looking around going, hey, the people are gone. We're taking over. Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe the dinosaurs will come back next month. I don't know. It's, it's getting a little crazy out there as far as uh, people. And... Uh, um, being being away, it's it's really nice for me though. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not going to miss being able to get to work in half the time it normally takes me. The traffic is is awesome in the morning and even in the afternoon. I, I won't I won't miss that. So at least I can tell that most people are staying away. But uh, still a small section of people that are shouldn't be out that are out. And until we do that, we're gonna be we're gonna be locked down for a while. And uh, hopefully people will get it. People will just suck it up and say, you know what? I really want baseball back. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going out. Uh, until that happens, people coming out looking for uh, uh, yarn and uh, a lot of silly things, it's, it's not going to slow down. And everyone makes an excuse to go out, and I get it, but um, this, is, this is some serious stuff. And uh, it's affected things uh, quite a bit. We've talked about the last, geez, I don't know, two, three weeks. I forget how many weeks I've been talking about paranormal conferences and conventions uh, getting delayed, all these things. And now that we're officially in April, uh, we're seeing a lot more paranormal conferences and conventions uh, getting canceled, uh, getting postponed with no date announced as of yet. And some have been postponed with a makeup date. Uh, some are rescheduled later in the year. I've had one that was uh, rescheduled next year already. Uh, my calendar that I worked very hard on over the winter and early spring uh, is a complete mess. It's a disaster. It's, it's just everything's all over the place. And I've done the best thing, uh, best job I can do trying to keep it updated. It's been really, really hard with all the changes that are happening almost daily. Uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks, I, I did mention all the changes so far, and I'm not going to go through all those 
this week. You're like, thank goodness. Um, it's all updated on the website. So if you had plans or have plans to go to some of these, uh, I can tell you I had a hard time finding some of this information out. It, your best bet is to not just go to the official website, Facebook. Uh, seems like ghost teams live on Facebook. Uh, that's where you're going to get the update information about cancellations or or anything having to do with these paranormal conferences. Seems like the websites are a little late to get any information or not updated at all, which is not good. If you're if you're running one of these conferences, conventions, get your website updated. Do it. It's the right thing thing to do. Uh, don't assume that everybody knows. Or considers or thinks that uh, just because everything is going on that everything's canceled. People want to get out. People are desperate. And uh, I know some people were mad at some of these places for canceling their conventions, especially out in uh, already late May and some of them in June. People were upset about that. Well, you know what? I don't think we're going to be back to normal. Especially we have that mentality that uh, we want to start uh, flipping the switch and, you know, by Easter. That's not going to happen. Uh, uh, so the only update I have for you guys this week, uh, let's see, the Southeast East Texas Bigfoot Conference, that's been canceled. Um, I don't know why. I, I just didn't see that. It was actually announced back on March 13th. Didn't see it until after last, last week's show, so my fault. My bad, but uh, it's it's canceled. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. I've seen uh, a lot of other events taking place in May and June. Uh, it's kind of startling. They think that they're still going to go on. I, I don't know why. I mean, if I had a conference that I had in early May, uh, I would already pull the plug at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure that a month from now, we're going to be still you know, dealing with this kind of lockdown thing. Maybe, maybe some states back to a little bit more back to normal but i think overall uh if we tried if we have that mentality that a month from now we're going to go back out there and we're going to go and uh be back to normal we're all going to be at work and we're all going to be at the park and we're all going to go to conferences and conventions and hang out and um uh, which this is just going to erupt again it's just going to go we're going to be right back where we're at right now so don't make any plans i guess is what i'm trying to say um have that mentality that this is going to last until August. If you have that mentality, um, it'll make things go by easier instead of thinking, well, geez, you know, by, uh, by May 1st, we, we're going to be back to work and everything's going to be normal. And I know a lot of people are struggling out there. Uh, I've, a lot of people I know are, are struggling. And uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, we just have to find a way. And um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm lucky. I'm... I'm working for now. For now, we'll see what what happens. Uh, but uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Uh, but uh, back to the conference conventions. If you're planning on going to any conferences or conventions, paranormal or otherwise, be sure to know the cancellation policy. Very very important. I would say most of these conferences and conventions have a no cancellation policy. Uh, or I should say a, a no refund policy if they are canceled. So you're not going to get your money back, uh, regardless of, of what the circumstances are, uh, which is kind of shady. But, so, you know, I get it. Sometimes that, that's just the way it is. Uh, I've done a, a conference before, and, and it's hard because you you're fronting that money. 
and if you cancel, you're not going to get your uh, you're not going to get your money back. So uh, they 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 don't want to eat it, and I get it. But, but things like this out of out of your control. If they can't get the money back, you're not going to get your money back um, more than likely. Now some of them are refunding, which is fantastic, and it's the right thing to do. Uh, even ones I've seen that are going to try to rescheduled they're still giving refunds that that's the right that's the best thing to do you can hope for that uh but again um most of these things it's out of their control so just check with these uh websites uh email somebody ask up front if you're if you've already put money down you know find out what you can do what they can do um and again facebook is probably your up to the date information, up to the minute information on any of these things. And yeah, it's just crazy. Some of these are, they're holding out. It's like less than a month till these, some of these events and they really think that everything's going on. I don't know how many of these speakers are going to show up or how many people are going to show up, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be taking any chances. I think it's, it's wishful and dangerous thinking at this point. And I get it. I want to go, I want to get back to normal. I like to be yeah, playing baseball. I'd like to watch baseball at least. Uh, I'd like to go to the gym. Uh, you know, I'd like to uh, uh, have to wear a face mask out in public. That would be nice. That would really be nice. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. Again, sadly, a, a lot of people can't afford to sit idle too much longer. Uh, but we do have to hunker down, give up things like paranormal conferences for the next couple of months. So we can all move forward. Yeah, I'd like to go fishing. It sounds like fun. All right. So that being said, it's my public service announcement for the for the week especially with the paranormal conferences conventions let's jump into cryptid news and we have a follow-up on a a story that i talked about last week where i reported on a series of bigfoot sightings at the turkey mountain urban wilderness area near tulsa oklahoma uh there is a lot of individuals who are turning in their own individual reports and that's the only thing that really uh, kind of took me I don't want to say by surprise, but kind of a slight concern over the whole situation. Everything else seemed uh, pretty much, I don't want to say hoax, but uh, seemed explainable, like somebody in a costume. And uh, I thought, my personal thought was that it seemed to be a part of a uh, kind of a park's attempt to offer uh, a, pretty much people use Bigfoot as a as a tactic to get attention and this sure worked i mean this was all over the paranormal news it was all over uh, a lot of news streams granted uh, it's it's hard to get anything to be a big story right now with everything that's going on obviously uh, but this was a pretty decent story uh out in the public so i figured it's probably just an attempt to uh to get some uh, a little bit of attention for tulsa the uh the park's service out there in Oklahoma and well it worked and it did and it was in fact a viral campaign for the parks uh, they finally came clean about it which was the right thing to do uh, Ryan Howell the man behind the mask uh, he said uh, quote we came out here and staged several sighting photos and from there it exploded it absolutely exploded unquote that's that's what he says it exploded it did i mean to get a story to be you know on mainstream media right now at this point uh, it's pretty tough 
And uh, for, for them to get a story pushed out that far, uh, I think it's pretty darn good. So uh, if you weren't here last week in the chat room, uh, I'll post a picture or two of the some of these photos. So there's a picture there. You can see Bigfoot walking off the trail. Don't recommend walking off the trail into the woods like that. But obviously something like that, I mean, that person's fairly close to that Bigfoot. So, yeah. You see a lot of, uh, there's some thumbs up, there's a, a laugh face, and there's a shock face there. And, and I think uh, probably, I think it was uh, most people uh, at the time that I looked at that were laughing at that picture. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I don't see that as being very realistic. But uh, um, do you have another one here? I'll share real quick before I show the uh, the. Reveal. Reveal. That's a big word here in the paranormal. Reveal. So there's another picture. Uh, really clever picture. I like that one. Um, Bigfoot walking through some, some grass and leaves and kind of looking toward the camera, but the camera is obscured a little bit. So you can't see the whole Bigfoot body. Kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of what we expect to see when we talk about Bigfoot sightings and Bigfoot pictures in the woods. Um, cleverly staged, in my opinion. Uh, but... It's been revealed that, yes, it was a human all along. And there's uh, the, uh, forgot his name already, the gentleman with the mask, uh, Ryan Howell, holding his mask. And he's got his little costume. Lucky he didn't get uh, shot at or anything. But, uh, yeah, you got to be careful nowadays doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm sure he had backup. Sure, he had backup. Um, I mean, yeah, it exploded. It it was a very successful campaign, I, I believe. Uh, it's probably since, uh, again, I mentioned uh, meme, memes of Bigfoot being the social distance champion. I mean, forget the Loch Ness Monster, but uh, yeah, Bigfoot, social distance champion. Uh, forget six feet. This dude is like 600 yards. Um. Yeah, it's been floating around for months on social media about him, Bigfoot being the social distance champion. So people are, uh, people always had Bigfoot on the brain, I think. I think Bigfoot's a, a pretty uh, popular thing of, across all walks of life. Uh, whether people uh, um, believe in things or not believe things, I think pretty much everybody, even if you know they don't believe, it's Bigfoot's still funny. It's It's a... Nice little thing to uh, sell cars or uh, beef jerky, I guess, or whatever else you got. Because you don't have to pay anybody. Bigfoot's free. Nobody owns it as a copyright or anything, so you can do that. Uh, but again, I think everybody is well aware of what Bigfoot is. So a lot of these, uh, I could say here in Ohio, we have, geez, four or five that are within driving distance of, of where I live right here that... Uh, uh, also use Bigfoot in, in one way or another to get kids out, to get attention for the local uh, parks department to get people out. And, and I think as long as it's done correctly, like this here, I, I think uh, Oklahoma did a good job because they they, te they teased it, but it wasn't serious. You know, they didn't warn people, oh, you don't want to come out because there's a Bigfoot. We got a Bigfoot. Uh, it was tactfully done, and they admitted as soon as it's got big they didn't want it to get big and people to wonder because some people think 
some of the stuff is true. Even you can tell it's done in jest and it was done right around April Fool's Day. Uh, but sometimes people take things a little bit too seriously. So I think they did a great job with it. I don't think they went, they went too far. Uh, sometimes I see some places kind of just leave it hanging and they don't really come clean about it. And people are kind of like, wait, so what do you, is, was that real? Was that not real? Not sure what's going on. Uh, and some people who are not really looking at this too closely uh, may think that there's danger. And they, it's going to have a, an adverse effect. Instead of in, inviting people out, it's going to push people away. You don't want to do that. Anyway, Parks Department's campaign is to encourage people to get out, to enjoy the trails, but also to remember to keep six feet from others at a minimum. So if you're uh, going to catch up with uh, your fam, you know, don't uh, six feet is is a recommendation. But uh, you know, you should, probably should keep a little further because doesn't take you know a nice wind to carry something and then you, you infect people by accident and you, you can't you can't contain this stuff unless you're wearing masks. That does help a little bit, but. Um, six feet is just a recommendation. It's not like you have to carry uh, some yardsticks or some, you know, uh, measuring tape with you and go, oh, okay, we're six feet one inch, so we're perfect. Um, it's a recommendation. But I see what they did there. Um, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's tough. A lot of people that are locked up in their houses or working from home or not working or afraid to go out. Uh, some people are using parks and different things to get out there to, to try to exercise and just get out of the house, period. Uh, I mean, coming out of winter in, into this isn't fun, uh, especially when the weather is nice, the birds are chirping, they're kind of, they're, um, you know, taunting us a little bit. A lot of people need to get out, they need to exercise, they need to uh, just get out of the house. So a lot of people are meeting up in these parks and, and everything, but uh you got to be careful. And uh, some parks are closed. Some parks, uh, I know here uh, we have a national forest pretty much about a half hour away. A lot of those trails are closed uh, because of the prospect that if you come across somebody, uh, you have no choice but to get within, you know, well closer than six feet to somebody to pass them on a trail. So some trails are closed and other other things, you know, government-wise are, are going to be closed um, we have some small parks here that are closed because there's not just not a lot of area. So, and, and we've had uh, people chased out of areas because too many people congregating in, in places. So, yeah, I mean, it could backfire on you. It could backfire on you. Um, just be careful. Just be cautious. And always keep a, an eye out for Bigfoot because you never know when or where you might see it. Um, speaking of hidden animals and cryptids in general, we have a nice thylacine story. We don't get to have a Tasmanian tiger story too often. So I like this uh, victories. Very happy to see this in the news. Uh, seems some scattered stories here and there. Uh, trying to piece together what the heck these people are talking about down there in Australia. Uh, but Screen Australia and Vice announced that the 2020 winner of Pitch Australiana, which is a $50,000 grant offered to early career Australian filmmakers 
to collaborate with Vice to tell a story that speaks to the community. It's a good chunk of change. 50 grand. I could use that right now. Uh, the, who couldn't? Right? Could buy some eggs somehow. Uh, the winner was the documentary concept of Sir Tassie Tiger. Uh, the documentary will follow Neil Waters. And if you've heard that name before, sounds like he should be in a rock band. Uh, but he's actually the founder of the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia on Facebook. We've talked about Neil uh, quite a few times here on the show over the years. Uh, so this documentary will document his search for the thylacine, also known as the Tasmanian tiger, uh, which is thought to be extinct. Uh, experts think uh, it's gone, doesn't exist. But there's been sporadic and random sightings, uh, you know, a tail here or a, a creature running a few hundred yards away there or a bark or a growl. Just different things that are just not good enough to really provide any solid validation from scientists. So they scoff at this whole entire idea. They, they think it's ridiculous. But there's a lot of people that do believe that the thylacine is running around somewhere, either in Tasmania or in mainland Australia. Uh, although mainland Australia, these guys have not been seen in a long time, like over 100,000 years. Whereas in Tasmania, they uh, pretty much, you know, you know, less than 100 years ago, the last one died off down there in uh, a zoo, the Hobart Zoo. Um, so, yeah, a lot of cryptozoologists feel that the thylacine is pretty much one of the top extinct creatures with the best chance of being found alive. And that would be fantastic. Uh, just to uh, be able to thumb your nose at those experts. Because the experts, they highly disagree. It's gone. It's dead. It's not coming back. That's what they think. We can only hope. Uh, the documentary will also feature some popular sightings of the last few years, as well as a water's attempt to find evidence of the carnivorous carnivorous marsupial. And that's going to, uh, how long, you, you wonder, how long is this going to take? Well, Victorian director Naomi Ball will be the filmmaker behind the year-long project. So she says the project should be complete and released within 12 months and will appear on SBS Vicelands. So they're doing this all to appear on TV, and uh, I don't know if we're going to get that here in the United States. So you guys down down under, I hope you guys uh, are able to uh, let us know what happens. I'm sure it'll be on on TV. And if anything interesting is found, I'm sure we're going to hear about it tied to this this um, film project. And and it's interesting when some sometimes when these things happen, uh, I don't think that the the whole thing is to get proof i think this is more to uh, get a little bit more weight toward people looking or toward people believing that this creature could still be alive but every now and again uh, when they're doing a, a film thing like this uh, people are out there asking questions people are out there looking at evidence sometimes these kind of things are enough to kick up the dirt a little bit and things are discovered by doing these types of projects and uh, that's my hope, is that uh, with this new uh, venture, 
that maybe uh, you know maybe if it even spurs other people to to get out there. We've seen a couple of projects over the last few years. Uh, people going out there with uh, research projects, setting up cameras and all these other things, and maybe all this stuff can can tie together. We can get some, maybe a little bit more convincing evidence of what we've seen over the last 10 years or so. It's, it's all, all been so speculative and just random stuff and just blurry pictures or out-of-focus cameras or uh, just just that last second glance at something that you think, well, you know, it could be, it could also be a dog, could also be a fox, might be a lion for all we know. Yeah. So we'll, uh, I really think that we're going to be hearing about this documentary over the course of the next year or so with some hopefully good news about it. But if not, well, it'll just end up on Netflix sometime in the future. So what about UFO news? Any UFO news out there? Well, of course, if you're listening at the beginning of the show, I did tease that about MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, very quick this month to um, put out their sighting statistics for the month of, month of March. Did you say munch? A month of March. Uh, so MUFON, also known as the Mutual UFO Network, is the largest UFO reporting database as well as investigation group, uh, pretty much in the world. Now, not every country submits cases or submits very many cases, as we'll talk about here in a second, but uh, overall, globally, MUFON is pretty much the leader. Some countries have their own uh, kind of internal kind of investigation or reporting group, at least. And uh, not everybody utilizes MUFON, but here in the United States, they're pretty much they pretty much rule over everything uh, as far as UFO reports are concerned. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, kind of coming into this month and really getting out of, even getting out of March, I really wasn't sure what to expect as far as sightings were concerned. I mean, there's obviously a little bit more important things floating around out there other than UFOs, um, obviously COVID-19. And I wasn't sure... Uh, how this was going to go down. Was it going to uh, increase the amount of sightings because people were at home? People were bored. People are uh, probably out back burning things. I don't know. I'm looking at the sky. Or was it going to cause these sightings to go down because people are terrified to leave the house? I wasn't sure what direction. Or would it be just the same? Business as usual. Same amount of sightings. Pretty much average. Uh, March is generally a little bit higher than other months. If you look back the last few years, uh, because it's you know generally a little bit more warmer of a month, um, I guess uh, people are out a little bit more. I don't know, but uh, again, I wasn't sure with everything with COVID nineteen going down, how it was going to going to affect these sighting statistics, or if it was at all. Um, I was uh, surprised. When I got the email and I, I read the sightings, and I was uh, I was a little surprised here. So, was it going to be a distraction with COVID nineteen, or would more people be uh, out looking at the skies, you know, doing stuff? Well, it seems that more people around the world, at least here in the United States, did have more time to look at the skies. 
outside is MUFON posted their single largest report month since October of 2015. Incredible. Uh, so March saw a grand total of 883 UFO reports turned into their office. Um, the United States led the countries with 672 sightings. Yeah, there's a there's a caveat to all this, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it yet, but I'll say it. Actually, I'm gonna wait till the next story to, to kind of give uh, put my cards down. I've got a couple cards. Hopefully, it's not a dead man's hand here, uh, but uh, I'll lay my cards down here in a second as to what I think is really behind all these sightings. Uh, so, United States, they led all countries, as they usually do, because, again, MUFON's based here. So, generally, the United States is number one. I don't think they've ever not been. Uh, with 672. So, the United States has not had a number over 600 reports since August of 2017. That's a long time. And, let's see, so... 883. I didn't really write that down. Where, how far back we have to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything over, jeez, over 700. And, well, seven, yeah, 2019 had 733 in July. Uh, we go back to 750 in October of 2018. 757 in July of 2018. But nothing even close to 800. Yeah, 785 back in 2017 in July. So yeah, it goes it goes way back. It goes way back to about 2015. 2015 was a big year. It's kind of skewed uh, because they were running the uh, their Hangar One show and they were pretty much advertising nonstop with that TV show. They're getting a lot of press, a lot of media. So it was kind of jaded there with those sightings. But anyway, um, lots of reports. Let's, let's see, 883. So U.S. was 672. The next closest would have been the United Kingdom with 91 reports. Canada was next with 44, followed by Mexico with 11. Japan and Spain had seven each. Austria had five. Brazil and Italy had four each. Uh, Portugal, Australia, both had three each. And there was 27 other countries, which I'm not going to name them all off, that had two or less reports, with 22 of those only turning in one report each. What are you guys doing? Uh, so let's break down the 672 reports from the United States. That shows uh, California at the top, which... Um, should be that way because California has the highest population. So you would expect a state with the largest population to have the most reports. I mean, that's just kind of, it's kind of how math works, but sometimes that's not always the case. Uh, California had 67. Michigan was second with 45 reports. Florida had 44. Ohio had 34. Arizona was next with 32 uh, followed by Pennsylvania with 31, Colorado 27, New York 26, Washington, Kentucky, and Illinois had 24 each. Uh, Indiana and Wisconsin had 18 each. Minnesota had 17. 
Texas turned in 16. Virginia and Oregon had 15 apiece. New Jersey and North Carolina had 13 each. Georgia had 11. And Iowa and Missouri had 10 apiece. Uh, I don't normally talk about this, but uh, for some reason, uh, I just felt compelled to mention this. The shapes of these reports, so the shapes of these UFOs, uh, reported that Starlike was the most popular with 176 reports. I wonder of those, uh, how many were Venus, which is shining brightly and moving very quickly through the night sky compared to the stars, which is pretty normal. Um, Circle. Circle was second with 171 reports. And all this is, it's kind of difficult to... Uh, ascertain what their perspective was or what they consider a star-like versus a circle. That's why I think I don't normally talk about this. This is all just beyond speculations. Gestulation. That's really a word. I just made it up if it's not. Uh, Spear had 86. Unknown was 82. And Other was 54. Unknown and Other. I don't know. I'm sure there's a differentiation between the two. Uh, oval was 45. Triangle was 43. Disc was, t- uh, f- I'm sorry, 41. Cigar was 20. Not applicable was 16. Maybe they were beamed aboard. I don't know. Uh, square or rectangle was 15. Tic Tac, 9. And I'm not sure of the flavor. Uh, cylinder, 8. Boomerang was 7. Bullet or missile, also seven, as well as fireball, seven, which probably just meteors. Uh, flash, six, probably also just a fireball. Uh, Chevron, six. I'm sure if it's the gas station. Uh, teardrop, five. Saturn-like, five. Egg, egg-shaped comes in at five. Well, I guess all I can say about that is uh, nanu nanu. Uh, Diamond, five. Blimp, four. Probably just a Goodyear blimp, but I don't know if it's out, though. It's interesting. Uh, Cone, two, and a cross, one. Somebody saw a flying cross. That's pretty exciting. Uh, So looking back at the United States reports, I like to look at the per capita information to see how the states stack up against each other. It's just a little trick of math to give a, a different perspective using statistics to see uh, which states really r- rise upon others because it's hard to judge one state. It's hard to judge uh, uh, California against Wyoming, you know, one with a lot of population versus one with not a lot. So how does that affect when one state has 50 sightings and the other has only two? It could actually be about the same percentage per 100,000 people in a month. Uh, so looking at per capita, when I when I look at it as per 100,000 people, it's usually a percentage. So I'm, I'm taking an extra step here, giving you how many, what would one per how many thousands people that would translate to, to kind of make it a little bit more interesting. Because I think MUFON used to do this, and I think they just kind of got like, well, this is silly. Why are we even doing this? Because uh, it's not percentages. Uh, so the benchmark what we're looking at here, uh, the benchmark would be to look at the total U.S. sightings 
And from that, we see um, 0.2. So just 0.2 of 100,000 people um, are reporting a UFO in the 50 United States plus the District of Columbia. So I took that metric until they get the census updated for 2020. Hopefully you didn't forget to uh, register for the census. That's my another PSA for the week. Uh, so basically it comes out to one in every 488,452 people in the United States reported a UFO. That's pretty statistically uh, insignificant. Still not as uh, – you, you still have a much better chance of seeing a UFO than getting bit by a shark. But uh, yeah. Breaking this down further, let's let's look at California. Again, the top state in population and, again, the number one reporting state with 67 reports. So this is the leader here. How does this break down? Uh, it actually comes out to, you do the math, it's 0.17 per capita per 100,000 people. So 0.17, that's below our U.S. average. So even though it's a state leading it, still below the average. So it comes out to about one in every 589,735 people in California that reported a UFO. Yeah, Michigan, number 10 in state population, with, and they also had 45 reports. We're also in second place. They had a 0.45 per capita. So that's much higher, 0.45 per 100,000, or if you break it down, it's one in every 221,931 people. Uh, so question in chat, do they do the U.S. territories? You mean with the citing statistics, they actually keep those separate? So for some odd reason, they don't consider them like, so Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory. It's part of the United States. But if you look under MUFON sighting statistics, it's actually would consider that a different country because it lists it separate than the United States. I don't know why that's how they do it. That's not how I would do it. But there's a lot of different things that I would do with these sighting statistics that they don't do, um, such as uh, one of the difficulties with me talking about these reports is that some of these reports – might have been from 1972. They just so happened to be reported in March of 2020. So how does that really affect what we're talking about? It, it makes it a little bit more difficult to see the, the bigger picture of things. So for me, um, these reports that happened that are historical, that didn't happen in the, in the month, or uh, even consider the fact that maybe something happened in February, and it just so happened to be reported on March 1st. Now it's part of our March statistics, but February's don't update or change. Um, that's where I think it's confusing because we really don't have um, a really good sense. This is just a really general uh, spitball type of, of statistics, things that we're talking about. I get a little carried away with it, I think, but uh, just to break it down, just to make it more, sound more interesting than really what it really is. It's really not that important. Um, Boy, that was a really long-winded explanation. But yeah, so outlying territories not really considered part of the U.S. according to this. Uh, uh, they do consider 
the District of Columbia, part of the United States, as far as their stats are concerned, um, which is okay, I guess, because it is. That's why I use, when I'm doing my math, I use, I have to use the population that they're bricking their stats down by two. So I'm trying to be as accurate as I can. Um, Ohio, number seven in state population, had a whopping 34 reports, which comes out to a 03 per 100,000 people or breaking it down. It's one in every 343,798 people. I think there's less people in Cleveland than that. Uh, Minnesota, number 22. Uh, So Minnesota had 17 reports, half of what Ohio had. Uh, That still breaks down to the same 0.3 per 100,000. So you see how this works. Ohio, more state population, double the reports, but has the same per capita as Minnesota, but half the reports. Uh, And you could translate that to uh, one in 331,750 people saw you, or I should say reported a UFO in the month of March. It's more accurate. Uh, Wisconsin, number 20, state population, not counting cows. They had 18 reports. They had a 0.31 per 100,000 people or one in 321,500 people. Uh, Iowa. Iowa, number 32 in state population, had 10 reports. Had a 0.32 per 100,000 people or exactly, exactly. One in 315,507 people. That's the only one that worked out perfectly. Uh, Oregon, number 27 in state population, 15 reports at a 0.36 per capita. Uh, I should say per 100,000 people. Or one in every 281,183 people in the state reported a UFO in the month of March. Rhode Island. Way down there in state population, number 45 had four reports. Yeah, four reports, but finished with a 0.38 per capita. Um, one in every 264,841 people, give or take. In Arizona, number 14 in state population, 32 sightings with a 0.44 per 100,000 people, or one in every 227,500 people. Uh, Colorado, number 21, state population, 27 sightings, giving them a 0.49 per 100,000, almost, uh, well, slightly over one in 205,670 people. Pretty close to half a person per 100,000. Uh, Maine, Number 43 in state population had seven reports with a 0.52 per 100,000 people or one in 192,031 people. And the grand prize winner this month for the MUFON sighting statistics per capita prize goes to, what, no drum roll? Uh, we we had to cut the budget this month. Uh, Kentucky. Number 26 in state population. They had 24 reports for the month of March. That gives them a 0.54 per 
per 100,000 people, or translates to one in 186,154 people. And to put things in a little different perspective, even with Kentucky being the highest per capita state this month, and a record month for reports for MUFON, by the way, if you took 24 reports in the entire state of Kentucky and said that they all happened in Louisville, so Louisville is the largest city in the state, they got a giant baseball bat to prove it, it would still be one report for every 24,890 residents. That's still not a lot. So again, very highly, um, it's, it's not important, but I, you know, I mean, we're talking about people seeing UFOs. So it's very statistically insignificant, uh, I guess is the proper terminology. Uh, so even with these record numbers this month, these numbers are pretty much, yeah, insignificant in the overall scope of things. So Kentucky winning with one in 186,541 people, you still have a better chance of dying from a lightning strike at one in 180,746 or dying in a dog attack at one in 118,776. And I think that's enough numbers for tonight. Making my head hurt here. So yeah, MUFON, thank you for the sudden statistics for the month of March. We'll see what happens for April. And as I mentioned, I don't I didn't come up with... Uh, that was way off here in March. Uh, my prediction was 565 total. And 409 U.S. 565, 409. So, yeah, I wasn't even close. 883 and 672. Way off. Didn't see it coming. It's really blindsided by that. Um, so, let's see. And let me make something up real quick. Just have to. Just in case Dita's listening. Because Dita writes this down. And she'll email me or come on the chat room and yell at me if I'm... If I'm I don't do it. Not yell at me. Just, just have fun. She keeps me on my toes. So let me think about this. Let's go. Um, whew, I'm going to go 645 total. Sounds good. And we'll go. Um, mm, let's see. Mm, 500 and. Uh, We'll go 512. Sounds like a nice round number. So 645 and 512 in the United States is my prediction for the month of April. But, but uh, yeah, statistically speaking, uh, not the best thing in the world with all these things. And, and there's some, some information. Again, these reports could have happened. 20, 30 years ago, and they just so happened to be put in the month of March, then MUFON puts it in their signing statistics for that month, even though they didn't happen there. Um, these don't exclude things that are explainable. And our next story um, is about Belgium. So Belgium didn't have any reports at all for the month of March sent to MUFON. Uh, nothing. 
Uh, but an article from The Telegraph points out that Belgium had a record month of UFO sightings. According to the article, there were 87 reports in March and 188 so far for the year of 2020. Uh, 87 reports would have put them pretty high up there for MUFON. Uh, would have certainly added to the overall numbers, but Belgium had zero, according to MUFON. Uh, three factors were brought up that has led to the record-setting UFO reports, and I think this um, has the same effect here on MUFON setting statistics, and one of them uh, certainly, I think, is having a, a bigger effect than the other two, believe it or not. Uh, first, the COVID-19 lockdown. So this has certainly narrowed the country's attention, kept everyone looking for anything to do. Uh, as as simple as that sounds, I really don't think that that has a big of a chunk of all these settings is what people think. Uh, second, the weather has been clear for much of the month. I don't know how that would affect all of the United States or any particular states. Uh, we've had rainy days. We've had clear nights. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, we've had rainy nights too, I guess I should say too. Um, but the third factor... Uh, this is pretty significant here. Um, from March 28th to April 1st in Belgium, there are at least 50 reports of a row of lights moving west to east. And if you've heard that before, you've heard it about 12, 15 times here in the last year or so of this show. It's one of the thorns in my side as far as UFO sightings go. And that is the Starlink satellites deployed by Elon Musk's SpaceX company. Uh, so that, I think, has had a huge effect here in the United States as well. I know several states reported it. It didn't have that big of a, uh, a chunk of sightings the last few months. Uh, January was another big month. Uh, I think December was another month. But not a big chunk. But it seems that I would think that... Uh, uh, March might have been affected by these uh, these uh, satellites. Maybe not so much the launch, but I think people are starting to notice these things in the sky as well. Uh, they're glintering and showing themselves. So uh, I think that could be affecting UFO sightings around the world, especially when these satellites are initially launched. Uh, but of course, it's kind of weird that we're talking about Belgium and uh, record UFO sightings because just over 30 years ago, Belgium was in the midst of a UFO flap that accumulated with two Belgian Air Force F-16s pursuing UFOs that appeared on radar but were not seen with the naked eyes. Are your eyes naked? Can you clothe your eyes? I'm not sure. These are questions that we'll... Leave unanswered for this evening. Uh, one of the most famous UFO photographs of all time came during the flap of the uh, the Belgium sightings 30 years ago. And you're probably very familiar with it. And I'll throw that in the chat room. You guys will all go, oh, I know that. I've seen that one before. And uh, I'm going to ruin it for you. Um. But I say ruin it because it seems like a lot of people still think that this is the real deal. This is really it. Uh, so one of the most famous UFO photographs of all time, uh, it's a triangle-shaped UFO with round lights at the tips, and there's one in the middle. That came from this time. 
unfortunately, what a lot of UFO books, websites, and uh, speakers fail to uh, acknowledge is the fact that in 2011, the photo was dubbed a hoax by the person who created it. Uh, they stepped forward and explained uh, how it had been created. It was a, basically a model that was hung on the wall. They took a picture of it. And uh, a lot of the other aspects of those sightings 30 years ago have also been debated. A lot of the facts and information have kind of uh, deteriorated that whole entire story. Uh, there's other versions of this, too. Some of them you can see the background, so you can actually see the shape of the triangle. Uh, this one's like the original. It's really dark. So you may have seen an altered version of this Belgium UFO. I try to give the more original one. But, uh, yeah, there's other ones out there, but it's very similar in shape. Some of them are turned a different angle as well, but it's the same It's the same thing. Uh, so we have ghost news to wrap up the show this week. It's kind of neat to have uh, cryptid UFO and ghost news, all three together as one happy family, as they should be during a Paranormal News Insider podcast. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, I did mention the Coastler Parapsychology Unit was offering a course on parapsychology. It's a little, it's a little expensive. I get it. Uh, it lasts uh, 12 weeks, I believe. So it's it's uh, a lot of money. Plus, it's also an investment in time as well. I get it. And not everybody is super serious about parapsychology. Parapsychology isn't just about ghosts. Parapsychology is about a lot more than just spooky things. You know, spooking people at night and um, you know, walking into a library and seeing a fully floating, vaporous thing uh, flying through the sky at you. Uh, it's more than that. It's just that. There's a lot more to it. And you can learn about those other aspects, uh, not only through the Coastler Parapsychology Unit, but also the Rhine Research Center in Durham, North Carolina. They're also offering various courses on consciousness and ghost research. Coming up quick, uh, there's an eight-week introduction to parapsychology class that starts on Monday, April 27th, and it runs to June 22nd, skipping Memorial Day. Um, that's another interesting holiday that we're going to have to start talking about after Easter is over this weekend. Uh, it's led by Lloyd Auerbach, not Memorial Day, uh, but this uh, eight-week intro to parapsychology. Tuition is $199, and similarly to the KPU course, it uses the same textbook, Introduction to Parapsychology, 5th edition by Harvey Irwin and Carolyn Watt. So obviously that's a pretty important book. You might want to get your hands on it, even if you're not going to take any of these courses. I do have my copy. It's a little older. It's a 4th edition, maybe 3rd edition. I don't know. It's pretty dusty. Uh, the Rhine Research Center will also offer a course titled Human Consciousness and Survival Studies, an eight-week course for $199. Uh, this covers near-death and out-of-body experiences, mediumship, and after-death communication, along with other aspects of the survival of consciousness hypothesis. Uh, this course is also led by Lloyd Auerbach. 
Uh, there's also an EVP ITC and Technologies four-week course for $99, as well as an eight-week course covering uh, eight important studies in parapsychology. And I know a lot more people are going to want to go for that $99 course because it's about tech and uh, equipment and all that stuff. But uh, I'm more interested in this uh, eight-week course covering eight important studies in parapsychology. So they're going to review Zener card research, the Gansfield technique, remote viewing, micro-PK experiments from the Pear Lab, uh, studies of healing, and a lot more. That course is a little bit more costly, $225, but it's probably my favorite because it dives into the actual research process. It analyzes aspects of parapsychology, uh, which really and truly, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a a laboratory kind of thing too so it's kind of something that's sorely missed in the ghost investigation field uh, but do check it out if you want more information you can go to rhineedu.org that's r-h-i-n-e e-d-u dot o-r-g for more information the rhineeducationcenter.org or rhineedu.org for more information and to sign up and to learn more about parapsychology, survival of bodily death. And I do want to thank everybody for showing up tonight, for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Hopefully, I've uh, given you something to occupy your time with for, for now and keep your mind off of everything that's going on out there. And with that, uh, hopefully you can have some sweet dreams as you think of Bigfoot and all these other crazy things that are hopefully a little less scarier than everything uh, out there. But uh, anyway, have a happy Easter. Enjoy the time you can with your family this weekend. Uh, I know it's rough. There's people that you can't include in your Easter uh, Easter dinner and, and church and everything else. I get it. But let's just do the best we can. Enjoy who you're around. Enjoy your time with your family. And with that, I'll see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, wash your hands. Oh, and yeah, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>